Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. The topic of my talk today for you is Try Something Different, Surrender. This mind is just fascinated with me, <clears throat> just fascinated. It has intentions for me and it wants me to accomplish things. And I've struggled with this forever, I think, you know. And it, it has plans, I see, for it to entertain me. What am I going to do tonight, you know? And strategies to protect me. It's always wanting to be vigilant on that. It has expectations for me and ambitions for me, and it's just a never-ending commentary. I thought when I first started sitting, oh, this will all go away. <laughs> Unfortunately, you become hyper-aware of it, right? <laughs> okay. The mind, it distrusts me. It evaluates me all the time. It's critical of me and devises game plans for me, game plans for my improvement, you know, and it has a vision of who I should be and works really hard that I measure up to that. And it's afraid for me that I could lose the comforts, the security that I have, if I don't stay vigilant and knowledgeable about all kinds of things. Right? Does anybody else have this mind? <laughs> yeah, you know. I, I think it's the human condition, but I don't know enough about everyone. Right? But it doesn't seem this way. It doesn't seem that my mind is doing this when I'm busy following its lead. It's when you go to a retreat or you're ill that you start seeing the nature of mind, or sitting, of course, you know? And retreats are really cool because you're taken out of your element, you know? You're away from home, your life is suspended, and you can be this anonymous, devoted practitioner. And it's really cool. When you're ill, you're kind of stuck at home, and you're stuck in the middle of your life, and you're stuck with your regular everyday self. In both cases, there's a lot of time, a lot of time to watch your mind. For me, I got sick. Not, not seriously sick, but not just bothersome sick either. I thought at first I'll just power through it because that's what I did when I was younger and that did not work. <laughs> and so I tried a new strategy. I kind of just, I was still sick, I gave up my effort. Just gave that up. But I was still sick. I had to give up my expectations and my knowing mind. I had to just start shedding these things I was still sick and I had to give up my plans and even any little ambition for anything. Pretty soon I had to let go of any defenses I had and all those stories that I had and just who I thought I was. I just had to let that all go. All I did was rest. Whether I was asleep or awake, I was just resting and nothing was important. I was that proverbial, nobody going nowhere, doing nothing. Mm -hmm. Kind of a lump. But there's a small difference between a couch potato and what I was. <laughs> 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 you know, I did nothing but the absolute necessary. 
And I was still sick, and I had to just totally surrender. I had to stop, and stop, and just stop. But still, my mind kept chattering away, because it had ideas of what I should or could be doing. You know, strategies and plans still went on, and stories and big thoughts kept happening. You know, but I couldn't act or care about it at all. I couldn't care. I was sick. Nothing was that important. Nothing, you know. Nothing stuck. It was like it just paraded by, which was kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And it wasn't effortless, I'd say, that sometimes it was like, ugh, you know, ugh. You know, I was specifically letting things go. And I found that this was really, really peaceful. I was still really sick, but my days became really quiet and timeless, just really serene. I, I almost blended into the background of the world. Laying there, I'd just hear doves coo in the morning or see shadows move, a little bit of the heat of the sun, a little bit of breeze from outdoors and maybe the smallest of interactions. And each of these little things were almost precious because it was just a background and then these little moments, like a flower popping up in the grass. It was like being fully aware yet hardly there. I, that's my best explanation for it. Anne Mara Lindbergh said, if you surrender completely to the moments as they pass, Surrender completely to the moments as they pass. You live more richly in the moments. And I felt like I was living more richly in those moments as I lay there ill. Moreover, it was a wonderful discovery. I had a superpower. This surrender was a superpower. It's the opposite of what we think of as power, right? You know, it was letting go which we all talk about and want to do more of. I could be small. I could be almost nothing. And that made me feel really full, powerful. It was a very different way to be for me. It sounds sad, but I did get healthy again. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a little sad. You know, it's good. But but right away, that mind started creeping back in and starting to drive, you know, things I could do. Uh, I could see that total surrender giving way to life's necessities, you know, and that busyness of business. Just, and of course I didn't get instantly sick, so I could see this progression come and just kind of sighed because, just like all of us, we've lost that little something sometimes. Uh, but like any experience, once you've had that little something, you remember it. You remember it well. You might not be able to express it. Most of these things are very difficult to express. But you remember it. And so I started attending to what my mind said for me to do all those things always and do I care is this important I didn't want it to take over I wanted to continue to surrender those things and let them 
just fall away. Living this way is called effortless effort by the Taoists, or try not to try. You're doing things, but you're not impulsively acting on what's for motivations that you're just conditioned to and habitual about. I try to keep in the foreground that I don't need to be somebody. I just don't need to be somebody in any instance. I try to question these got to go here, got to do this, got to say that, got to watch this, you know? That barrage of impulses that we all have somehow got generated, I don't know, maybe teenage years, you just start amping that up. So giving up those efforts, giving up those expectations and that knowing mind, I know, I'm always like that, giving up whatever plans I have, just, you know, yeah, I still have to go get the groceries, but it's not a, go get the groceries, you know. (laughs) It's a different way, you know. These ambitions and and defenses, we spend so much time defending our persona. Just, you know, yeah, my hair looks really bad today, you know, or whatever, that's pretty trivial. And mostly giving up those stories of who I think I am. Trying to live more like that superhero in surrender. But still, there's a balance between effort and surrender to live in this world. Shang Tzu, another Taoist, says, flow with whatever may happen and let your mind be free. Just flow that that, uh, extreme flow if you're surrendering. And just let your mind be free. Don't just let it parade by. Stay centered by accepting whatever you're doing. Staying centered. This is the ultimate, he advises. And Shunryu Suzuki Roshi was asked once, well, how much ego, how much ego do I need? And he said, just enough. Just enough so you don't step out in front of a bus. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yes, just that much. So I encourage you, Maybe one of these questions you can hold with you during this week. Um, what parts of you can you surrender in each interaction? Just in this interaction, is there something I can back off on? Or in this situation, can I just let something go that I'm trying to do here? Or each activity? Another question, can you lose a little bit? Just lose a little bit of who you think you are who you've created. Can you try a little softer at things? Just try softer instead of harder. And can you be small? Can you just be a little person? And if you've been able to let a little bit of yourself go or be a little small or be any of these things, I encourage you to do what Rick Hansen encourages. He advises, take 5, 10, or 20 seconds when a good thing happens to imprint it and internalize it in yourself. This is a fast way of learning. So sometimes these things happen spontaneously, sometimes purposefully, but you've had a little success, 
pause and imprint that. Think about that. Remember that. I'll leave you with a fragment of a poem by Rumi, one of my everybody's favorite authors and poets. Very little grows on jagged rock. Be ground, be crumbled, so wildflowers will come up where you are. You've been stony for too many years. Try something different. Surrender. So there's a coffee social. <laughs> a little coffee sounds good. <laughs> if there's any questions or comments, especially uh, experiences people have had similarly, I'd love to hear them. Yeah. You know, the, the, you're being six story. Yeah. Um, on a much smaller scale, I can remember a few years ago going through the process of waking up and knowing that I wasn't well. But, you know, like you said, I was going to power through. Right. Like, I was supposed to be somewhere, and I was going to be there. <laughs> so, just in hindsight, I laugh at myself. I got up, got myself all dressed. I'm driving, and I realized, like, you're not okay to do this. Not only this, but you probably have the flu or stomach poisoning, and you're going to brunch. <laughs> and so you're probably going to puke on the table in front of everyone. And that's probably not really awesome. <laughs> Maybe you should get back and turn around and drive home. You know, so I, I called my friend who thought that I was lying because she's like, you're on the way and you're telling me you're not coming. I'm like, yeah, I shouldn't have ever gotten in my car. You know, and I went home and I got in bed and I just got, I'll say, at one with the idea that like all you have to do today is be sick. That's what you're doing today. It's not what you wanted to do, but yeah. that's what you're doing. And I just curled up in a little ball, you know, between trips to the bathroom. Yeah. And just breathed. And... It was, in a weird way, it was like one of the best experiences I've had being sick ever. Yeah. Because <laughs> I just accepted, like, this is what it is. Today you're sick. Yeah. yeah. And it was very freeing. You stayed with where you were at? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying go get food poisoning because it's right. awesome. <laughs> so fun. But it was good for practice. But your mind did you a favor, too, and turned yes. you around. <laughs> so, you know, there's... <laughs> and everyone else who was going to be at that table, <laughs> big favor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it's, uh, it was very freeing. Yeah, not fun, but freeing. Um, for a long time in my life, when I was much younger, I was always talking. Should we turn this on? Do you want? Oh, I don't know. Well, you should keep cute eggs. I think. keep it on. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm you. sorry. Some places turn it off. <coughs> oh, okay. okay. So, so I was. I'm so you're always talking. Talk. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I uh, have analyzed that, and I believe it was because I wanted to be seen. But it's an old thing. So always talking, always talking, always talking. And I had to learn how to not talk and listen. So that was part of my process. And then when I started to come to meditation here at the old place, oh, I have to talk every time. <laughs> and I needed to talk. I had to talk. And then I started to learn, I like how you said small, because I thought I can be okay and not do that. So now my practice is to not talk. And that is so helpful. I needed it. 
I have that same gene. <laughs> and I have that same practice. <laughs> That's excellent. I, I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think uh, we're bodhisattvas and uh, we want to help other people. And so we talk sometimes. Not that anything really needs to be said, but maybe some experience you've had will resonate with someone else. And that's kind of what a song was all about. Um, I really enjoyed your talk. And one of the things that made me think of is the Zen teachings of Hong Po, one of my favorite yes. books. And uh, he basically distills the Dharma down to the true Dharma is to relinquish everything. So you're relinquishing thoughts of the past, thoughts of the present, thoughts of the future, sensations. Basically, everything that we think we are, we let it go. You know? And uh, that's how we find out what we truly are. We, you know, the, the most zealous application uh, of the Dharma is the absence from your mind of the thought of my body, my mind. It's letting go. Things come in your mind, you let them go. Sensations happen, you let them go. When you sit, you meditate, and you look for the master of this body, you can't find it. All you find is objects, just like you hear a bird, you hear, you see something, and you realize that you're just another temporary object. Uh, What did Buddha call us? Uh, he said that we were skanta, or, or basically heaps of, we're basically heaps of energy. Skandas. The skandas, the skandas. And, uh, you know, this, this heap was named as a baby, <laughs> and it still has the same name, but this nothing is the same. Right. And so you, we start to let go. I, I appreciate your talk. Thank you. There's a, you reminded me of a, it's kind of funny, so it's a little take a, diversion from what you said. There's a Zen teacher who wrote a book saying, there's nothing to say, and then his follow-on was, but you got to say something. <laughs> because it is difficult, and really, uh, I was studying a different teacher's Heart Sutra analysis, and she puts the Buddha there. Usually there's Avalokitesvara, this Bodhisattva, and a learned monk named um, Shariputra. And she puts the Buddha, and I think that in the 10,000 stanza that he is there, in the, uh, in the conversation, but he says nothing. His silence is all there is. And they say that is the teaching itself. That, mm -hmm. Until the very end when he said, effectively well said. Mm -hmm. you know, just that silence. And that's kind of the being silent, or the being small, you know, so that other things can happen and you can notice them. Yeah. Sure. Thank you for your talk. Uh, it's interesting, but also just thinking, I'm just like reflecting, I just wanted to get your opinion on it. The one is not doing the efforting. Uh, there's a little self in there that decides not to do the effort. And when the effort arises, watches those, watches the, I mean, I know we don't have too much, I mean, 
much control beyond like I mean, few seconds of bringing the mind back. But in that few seconds, there is a little self there that says, you know, you need to stay on the breath or whatever. Yeah. So there is a little uh, small agent there that does a little bit of effort. In. I keep us going, you know, and then. Mm -hmm. So it's not just uh, the energy that goes in there. I mean, just like a, uh, nobody that's here, but there is a small self here, uh, you know, does certain things. I mean, I decided to raise my hand and talk because something came up into my mind as, you know, we were discussing your talk. Uh, so yeah, I, I we are still beings in this world, and we still have um, volitional actions, you know, to interact at that level of meditation. That's the training of the mind to come back, like a concentration, bring it back. So when you say meditate. come back, who's saying to come back? But th that will fall away. That can fall away. So you're right. Uh, I think I've got that same thing as I am making myself, and I've heard it called mind crushing mind, you know, because you're kind of mind just trying to retrain your mind or rewire your mind a little. But that will that can fall away. Where now you're just aware of thoughts, but not not once you don't attach to them, you're not being carried off with them. You're you're not being dominated mentally by them. You're just staying present where you're at. And it's kind of a difference of of, of a vertical beat. It's just a visual I have. It, mm -hmm. A vertical beat of staying with, and you're just doing that. Or whoops, I've followed the thought, I've come back. And so you have first a I pattern. I come back. Hmm? I'm sorry, then say I come back. Mm -hmm. It's that I that's coming back. Well. I didn't want to make it that's, it's really cool in Zen because you can always say, I don't know, what do you think? <laughs> it's, a, it's, an, it's an indescribable. Uh, I, um, it is a nothing. I, I don't know. I have no words. Um, I, it's kind of like a paradox. Yeah. You know, we get up in the morning, the sun rises, sun sets, but the sun doesn't rise and set, the earth just rotates. The things that appear to be one way, but they're another way. We're one with everything in the universe, and we're also separate. Uh, there's something here, but it's not what we think it is. So, things are more complicated than we think. We try to use words and concepts to understand the world, but co concepts are always limiting. If I say something is is hot, then it's not cold, but it could be hot, it's relative. If it's on the, on the sun, it's not hot, it's cold. Uh, because you know, the reality is often different from the words. If I say tree, or if I say, you know, the uh, <coughs> Mississippi River, well, it's, you know, there's the Mississippi River, 10 seconds later, there's the Mississippi River, but it's different water, you know, this water, was in the clouds, you know, yesterday, be in the ocean a week from now, you know, things, we live in a world of concepts, but the concepts are limiting. The reality is a little different. 
talk, I, to go back to what we were saying a few comments ago. Um, so I also have that as soon as I get hold of you know a nice person who's going to hold space for me, I've got this like emotional, I, I call it like vomit, you know, where I'm I'm just overshare, and I and when I walk away, I usually don't feel that great. I feel like I kind of gross them out, and also. <laughs> It's damaging because I'm talking about the people that I love and that I'm trying to prop up. And often I feel like, ugh, you know, I, I just talked bad about them. And where is this compulsive need coming from? And I thought that it came from, I grew up in a very um, doctrine religion that denied self. And I was very invalidated, you know, whenever I questioned. It was always bad. You, you know, doubt is bad. It's shameful. And so I was like, I... I have this need to, you know, like she had, she came to the conclusion to be seen. Mm -hmm. And so are, are we, are we saying that we found the best practice is just to try not to do that? Or is there, is that some kind of need? I wish I could do it, you know, by myself, where I was just nurturing myself and validating myself without having to share. Because it doesn't seem like a good practice. It seems damaging to talk too much. I've I've actually found myself what am, you know I'm years ago I'm just chatter on all the time I run into somebody let's say ask them one question I do that and um, I think there's something to beyond before Buddhism or beyond Buddhism to work on that you know just psychologically what's going on and to think about it usually it's not encouraged to you know when you realize something really dig in because now you're going the wrong direction in meditation but there is value to why am I doing this and can I just try like when you see it coming or when you see yourself in it can I find a way to just now change this energy and focus on you know just just and give yourself lots of time you know don't yeah this is this is a habit and, and bit by bit, you'll find why and what, and I think you've got good insights now. And um, you know that Rick Hansen of reinforcing? Do that with yourself. Do that when you do good things, when you, when you have an interaction that you didn't do that because you've got lots of them that you don't. So there's something about, like you said, you had emotional connection and there's something there. Well. That's something for you to ponder too, but you can't ponder it in the moment, you know. So there is a reason to research and look into those psychological habits that we have because they have a basis and it's coming up. And um, I'm going to be careful. Even some of the great teachers, American teachers, have gone to psychoanalysis after becoming great Buddhist teachers, because still there's things to work out that are separate from this teaching, you know, so, uh, and, but yet you find them when you're in there, and it, it, they work well together, I'm not, you know, I'm not separating them, you know? um, and I think part of it's your, your love and excitement and energy for life, so, you know, don't don't deny that. Don't stop yourself from and change that. You know. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 If you recognize that you're, you know, 
95% of the way to just turning it a little. Yeah. Recognizing it when it's happening, becoming. Yeah. Inviting that presence awareness. Or see it coming. Yeah. Like, uh-oh, I like her too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or I'll just go slow. You know, mm -hmm. you still might end up, you know, but let's take it in pieces. Yeah. Things to try. Get creative with things to try, too. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you. So, um, you talked, or you mentioned uh, a number of things. First of all, I, I, I want to say, I got to get a t shirt that says try softer. <laughs> I, that, 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 um, and where to work, that would be. <laughs> That's a hard one. Yeah, yeah, I work in a big corporation. That doesn't happen much. No. But, um, um, I, I kind of uh, engage in, in some academic writing. And you talked about this idea of stories, and if you, know, if you kind of distill it down to, you know, just fundamental, a fundamental level, you know, even, even, you know, uh, you know, these, these kind of lofty ideas are essentially, if, if we're looking at them from this perspective, are narratives or stories. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, I, I find that I get deeply engaged or involved with these stories, you know, to the degree that, you know, I'm, I'm fighting for certain ideas and, and yeah. trying to deflect others, you know, it, it, the political realm would be similar. Yeah. You know, and uh, for me, you know, because I, I, I'm relatively new to this, um, <clears throat> the, you know, one of the big challenges is to, you know, how do you, and, and do you kind of toggle back and forth between this, this uh, where, where you become intellectually engaged and you, you know, you, you do fight for those yeah. ideas, those principles, those sorts of things. When in fact you recognize that you're fighting at best for a narrative, mm -hmm. which is perhaps a better narrative than the other one that's being put out there. Do you understand what I'm I do. I, and I, you mentioned that you were studying, so I was thinking right. that's a, yeah. I worked in both large corporations and startups. Uh -huh. And uh, so, um, <clears throat> and they all have different degrees of different politics and pushes and um, I was at times in such a position that you know I, same thing not with writing but I wanted you know I, I knew the right thing and uh, then I started practicing Buddhism and I it got a lot easier because even if it went the way I didn't think was right because I still would fight the fight but I wasn't fighting it emotionally involved putting it out there as actually doing a better job, just putting it out there, interacting, but also just able to, it wasn't me. It wasn't a reflection on me how it went. I would do my best and just see how it fell, you know, and, and accept that. And then try not to say, I told you so later, you know, <laughs> and all those things that the mind, you know, you just keep going, right? But do that, and it's very similar to um, being, uh, let me call it, um, I'm having a, a, brain, a brain lapse, where you're engaged with, you know, the politics and the things going on, you know. Um, that's great and good to do as long as you're not coming from a place of anger 
watch what you're doing. You know, if you're coming at these things because you're angry or upset or you're personally invested to, you know, and they're wrong or making other, then you're really playing a bad game. And you're actually, it just, I, it, you know, this analogy of a mirror, the world is a mirror, the mind is a mirror, it's bouncing back at you. You know, it, I think of it as harming me if I'm acting from a bad position. So I don't, I'm not saying that you are, but I would get very uh, aligned, personally aligned with uh, how and what we should be doing. It's especially true in startups. You just, you know, you only have a few shots and you fail. So, you know, you, and, and uh, but, you know, in the big picture, life went on, you know, and, and getting that, always pulling up to the big picture and I think I did this last time, remembering that image of the little prince on the globe and this little, little tiny person. And you're just, you know, look at an ant. You're no bigger than an ant in the real world, you know. You know so you're doing and you're, you're in a function <coughs> and you're, and I believe in trying to do your very best. But just, uh, it's kind of like uh, iced tea and check yourself. You know, you know, you better, I, I, I lost the phrase. Before you wreck yourself. Yeah, before you wreck yourself. Yeah, I, I lost the phrase, but you know, and that check yourself stuck with me for a long time, you know, just, you know, and especially in meetings, because you can get kind of, you know, you're reviewing docs and stuff. And it's, you know, it, so I hope that's helpful. Yeah. It is a hard thing to reconcile. Yeah, it is. And it takes time. It just... Every little, just anything, every little bit you can leave saying, well. Yeah, and, I, and I've seen some, some, the ability to get some distance, to be able to step back from the emotional uh, element of that when you're too invested in it. That, that's something that I'm seeing through practice. And I guess I'm getting it, but, it, but it's still always something that I'm kind of. I used to try to sit in meetings and feel my breath through my belly, you know. Just yeah, be, yeah. it puts that little edge over there, you know. If you can, which I wasn't all that successful, there were times, you know. And especially if I felt anything coming up, just to, you know. And generally, you have another shot at it. If there, you know, you can talk to somebody quietly to the side if things didn't, you know. Nothing's forever. Thank you for your talk. I really enjoyed it. Um, what came up for me is like the whole idea of surrendering to win, and that um, it's a process. It's been a process when I think about things in my own life where, like, um, there's this situation that's going on with my family of origin. Initially, when it all came up, I was angry and judgmental and critical of others, and um, and I could see all this, and it was not serving me well at all. But but what I found was that that's kind of what my process is in getting to a place of being able to let go. And that part of that process was like, I would talk to my older sister about someone else and it was triangulating and all of this, ugh. And so, um, 
because of being able to meditate and just kind of like observe that and see it and kind of get clear for me on what was the emotion like and and it was also based I think on a lot of fear and so just to be able to make peace with that has been a gift in being able to just like not be attached to the outcome and um, so my motives today and it's been like months of doing this and observing this and um, is just what will be will be and that my work is not even so much talking but being in a place of, of kind of just loving the people there and not um, judging them because when I'm in judgment Ugh, it feels really, it doesn't feel good for me. It comes out for me and my, the rest of my life. And um, so when I can just like love my brother and my sister who are at odds with one another and not get pulled into that and just see it, it's like my work is just to let them be exactly where they are. So, um, and that's the surrender for me. The surrender to yep. the outcome, the surrender to, you know, something's right, and in this situation, I have no clue what's right. So, um, yeah, I keep getting this message everywhere I go in my life right now because I think that's what I need to learn. So, do you find when you start getting judgmental, can you feel it physically? Uh, Yes, I know exactly where it is. And last week, um, there was someone here that talked about, like, what are those thoughts? And beyond the thoughts is the sensations in one's body. And so, like, just being able to get, be able to sit with those sensations and just like, oh, there it is again. And not to judge it, but to just observe it and to know that it's there. And it's okay that it's there. It's okay. It's, it's kind of a gift to me. Mm -hmm. It's a gift in, okay, how do I take care of Kathleen with this? How do I bring it back to self? Right, it can recenter. I find uh, sometimes, wherever, let's say I, I've just come home and I say, why? Why am I feeling this way? What is going on? And I have no clue up here. And I say, well, sit down. And it takes a while to unpack and get back to, oh. And then that kind of it's easy most of the times for that to vaporize because I haven't really let that have a cascade effect on other things in my life. Not even knowing where that all was coming from, I would um, probably act out or uh, be cranky or do you know you know any other kind of uh, behavior that I then regret and you know and it's a terrible cycle you know this remorse is a whole, I can feel remorse you know and then you're you're trying to make up for that for decades sometimes you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. where sitting down and I don't if I can feel something what's going on you know what I don't even know why do I feel bad it was it isn't usually trivial it just reflects something on me though not usually, it's not a kind of cataclysmic event. But that, that feeling, if you've got that, it's, you know, that sensation. Yeah. Might be lobbing a grenade, but um, <laughs> <laughs> surrender versus 
social justice. That's what I meant. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's the word I was trying to get. And yeah. that one's a, a tough one for me because I sometimes feel anxiety wash over me. Like I live in a in a time and a place and a culture that fosters take care of yourself, take care of what you want, get what you want, you know, um, me, 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 self, 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 all the time. And I sort of refuse to surrender to that message or to surrender to the, um, I think of it as an excuse of like, well, I tried really hard, or like, I'm doing my best. I don't like those those answers that the surrendering to um, that idea sometimes bothers me a little bit. I feel like there's when the cause is just, or I'm sort of striving in the name of a, a truth that that any kind of surrendering is more giving into a selfish or a um, unskillful uh, habit instead. I hope that made sense. But. It made a lot of sense. <laughs> made, but that one gives me just the, just, the, just the argument in my mind, oh. you know, and the constant evaluating, like, well, am I, am I, is this the right kind of surrender, or is this the self-indulgent kind of surrender, the giving up kind of surrender, that one sends me in mental tailspins quite a bit. So certainly don't surrender a sense of what is just and right, mm -hmm. and certainly don't surrender. These are senses, not thoughts. Right. Okay, these, these are from the heart, okay, of righteous action, mm -hmm. but be careful with that word righteous because that can be ego-driven. Mm -hmm. And that's what trying to really surrender is this isn't about you doing this mm -hmm. and you being the person that defends this. This is participation is good, but <clears throat> not to build yourself up mm -hmm. and not to make other. And this is a startlingly difficult time, right? <laughs> you know? Um, sometimes to soften it, not to cop out, yeah, but that, to soften the anxiety. Yeah. Just, you know, when you're not in a situation, but when you're just going, ah, you know, because I've never seen news like this for some <laughs> day after day after day. It's just like, it's refreshing when something's not about this you know, in the news. It's like, kittens, you know, that's, I think, what people do, you know? <laughs> but uh, trying to think about, look at the stars, look at the big universe and how small everything is. And I actually think we're just spiraling towards destruction. At some level, you know, but when, you know, and it rebuilds again, mm -hmm. and it rebuild, it will rebuild again, mm -hmm. and this happens on this individual scale. We die, mm -hmm. and you know, something comes. You know, the, every atom gets reborn into something. Right? It, you can go through reincarnation at different levels. You know, I don't know what I believe, 
doesn't matter what I believe, <laughs> you know, I don't care. But also cultures, you know, look at what happened to Tibet and the takeover and how uh, the Dalai Lama and the other greats from there take it is that's the change of the world. These are the, how the winds of things change, you know, and we're in the middle of it and not accustomed to it. We like what's fair and right and we think that we were on a positive social growth we were blind to what reality was for a vast majority of people. But, you know, this is what the news fed you too, and, you know, um, but getting back, <laughs> but I digress. You said it was a grenade. <laughs> it's a grenade, but, it's, but it's, it's a huge, important topic, actually, of how to deal with, because this anxiety that one gets, you know, and you just want it to stop, you just want, you know, I've thought of horrible things that could, might, should happen in, to stop this, you know? And it's like, oh, you know, it's not, that's not right. But a big picture, things are going to change. And we never know what's really good or bad. Sometimes I think something's good, and yeah, in that moment it was, and then it had consequences. Everything has other consequences. Even bad things bring out other consequences that can be good. If there wasn't this administration, there wouldn't be as much activism, activism mm -hmm. or recognition of problems mm -hmm. and cohesion at different levels. Where, as a came from the '60s, you know, out there with the sign, this one woman had, "I can't believe I'm out here again," you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, because you, you know, but it's never over. Mm -hmm. That's really the lesson. There's cycles, and we're in one. Mm -hmm. And recognizing that helps me. It doesn't change the terrible injustices you see and the incivility that our culture has become. And you wonder, can the, is it, when's it going to swing back? It doesn't mean giving. The surrender I'm talking about is surrendering an ego-dominated persona mm -hmm. and being careful where you your actions come from, being certain. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to get caught up in a crowd. Mm -hmm. I am fearful of crowds because mm -hmm. I know I can become anything that crowd is. Mm -hmm. I, I've got the same makeup as anybody. You know. I can be very ideologically purist. Oh, yeah. I can make a decision that this is a, and then have no doubts, you know, and that it may seem like that's not an ego-driven thing. That's a commitment to an idea thing. It's selfless. It's outside of myself. It's, uh, but you know, it takes a lot of mindfulness to look at my relationship to some decision I've made. You know, like, and effort I'm putting into committing to that that way. You know, but that can be a good thing. You're, that could be a strength, mm -hmm. especially because you're tempering it. So, you know, this I, words that you said about this conflict in your mind, we'll come back. Mm -hmm. Because if that's another thing, if I'm finding, oh, I seem to be like pushed and pulled, I gotta work that out. Yeah. You know, because that's a uncomfortable. If nothing else, it's an uncomfortable place to be. I'm sure it's worse than that. <laughs> okay. But you don't want to be of a two minds, of yeah. a divided mind. Yeah. 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 But uh, maybe you just want a regular check-in on what you're doing. But having a strong 
sense is, is a good thing. And having an outlet for it is a better thing. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a good, a good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I think we all live with that. So, on the other hand. So, thank you. Um, it, it's, it sounds, I heard another talk, um, this idea of cultivating dispassion towards things. Mm -hmm. And he kind of put it like, well, I don't see any good in the world. Everybody gasps. And then he says, well, I also don't see any bad in the world. And I've been thinking a lot about that last couple of weeks. And, but how do you, how do you, because that in itself, I guess, is a form of surrender where you are dispassionate towards something. But if you really care and love about something, how do you still show that? How do you still show that attachment to that? Unattachment's a bad word. <laughs> I know what you mean. There's a was a great Zen Roshi, and he always taught his students, you know, uh, dispassion, not good, not bad. And if they had a family member die and were grieving, he would tell them, you know, he would just discard that. Then his father died, and he was a bad <laughs> you know. And, and they asked him about it. He said, but this is my father, you know. <laughs> So, especially with children or your loved ones, your yeah. family, or you know, your even your pets, you can have it about your home. I've seen people, cry, you know, it's it's things that you're accustomed to. That's the human human way, right? You're going to be um, heartfelt and attached to certain, you know, loving things. I would start on a smaller scale. The old Ajahn Chan sees his vase, and it's a beautiful, you know, vase. He says, I see it as already broken, right? You see its lifespan, you know? You see it's, it's got a history before it, you know, it's composed of innumerable things, right, to, to put something together. But it, one day this will be an ant hill <laughs> somewhere, you know, broken down and all kinds of things. Just that flow how things, you know, will decay helps. We are all going to die. It's hard to really mm. grasp, I'll tell you. <laughs> you know? But, you know, we're all going to pass. And so it doesn't take away from a tragedy or early death, if he's talking about death and this dispassion. I think he's trying to get at equanimity and having this right view, which is larger view of how things are, kind of takes the edge off of spiking emotional states. I don't think it should take, if you're not feeling something, then you're not living, right? You know, you've got to have these reactions. So I don't like the word dispassion. Equanimity is a good one. It's a hard one to get to. It relates to in business even, you know? that you, know, you try to stay equanimous about what's going on. and I don't think I really addressed this well, mm -hmm. but it's a great question. <laughs> Thank you. I like an idea of um, you don't have to not let yourself be moved. Let yourself be moved greatly, deeply. The if you're trying to keep yourself from feeling things, that's your ego stepping in and putting little boundaries, saying, I can't 
drop into tremendous grief for the world. I can't rise into to exuberant love for something. Uh -huh. So just opening up all those walls and say, yes, I'm going to let myself be deeply moved by this equally in all directions. I think and, and not let my, my brain interject little walls into my heart. And that being able to flow freely between everything without stopping any of them is equanimity to me. I think that's a great description. I really like that. It sounds to me a little frightening, however. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is. It's more like being a child. Where you're um, open, you know, and you're, so you go through swings of emotion, right? But that's your ego being defending you from, you know, embarrassment and uh, yeah. and, uh, and hurt. Off going over the edge. And hurt. Yeah, it is scary, and I can't say I'm even close to where you are. <laughs> you know, uh, you know uh, when sometimes someone's feeling bad and they say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just, no, please, feel bad. You know, why are we, why are we afraid to cry in front of someone, or to grieve in front of someone, people who've lost people? I'm sorry, I'm just having a bad day, and they want to go hide. No, you know, show your grief and show your joy. And it's not in our culture, but it shows you're uh, uh, living a, a great human life. You know? I was just going to say that this, this path that we're all on, it, it uh, changes over time. And so maybe early on in your meditation, you may start to notice some equanimity. Things don't upset you as much. Maybe there's more, you're more able to step back from things that are happening. And, Kind of have a distance from it and see it as an object versus you know see it as a movie versus you're in the movie you're watching the movie and so it's a lot easier to deal with you know the pain and the problems uh when you when you don't take them so personally and then people talk about becoming enlightened and levels of enlightenment and where you don't see yourself as separate from anything or anyone else and you know, it, it uh, would seem if you have this big mind, this mind that is, uh, has become one with everything, um, it would be much harder to suffer uh, and you would experience what people might call dispassion. But even with that big mind, you may decide that you you know, feel very strongly about the death of, of someone or something. Um, you know, there are Zen masters who cry their eyes out, and then there are Zen masters who, who uh, show no emotion. Um, and you may, something may be expedient or, or more helpful if you have one reaction in one situation and another reaction in a different situation. Um, you know, you, you don't have a plan, uh, you know, you don't have to think everything out and uh, ahead of time you just react in the moment with what's most appropriate. I don't know if that... Because that, that's what's happening right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we're all, you know, I think we're all fighting with the same stuff and uh, I think as time goes on, 
we, we read about people having different reactions to different things. And you know, we just have to see where we are. I think, I think this whole Buddhism thing is uh, medicine. And, uh, you know, we take the medicine and we're all at a different level of health once we, once we start to take the medicine. And, uh, you know, hopefully it gets us through. <laughs> you did remind me there, thank you, of something that uh, I was told about this passion. And if you go to your doctor, so imagine, and, and I'm kind of putting, put yourself in the place of the doctor, so you're the doctor, and this person comes to you, and they're very ill, and it's going to be a tough one. Do you want your doctor to go and emote with you, or do you want them to set up a clinical plan and help you? <laughs> right? If your doctor goes, oh my God, it must be horrible to have this, you know, this doesn't help at all. So there is a time and a place for dispassion. There's an, if you're the person's friend, you want to be there with them emotionally. So... Um, and that's not being unequanimous either. Mm -hmm. That's being uh, uh, in the moment, you know, <coughs> and playing uh, in, in Zen, there's, you know, right relationship, you know. So my relationship was doctor to patient, it's different than if it was, uh, you know, a friend to friend for the same, same situation. have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.